Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Church, uh, just a point of clarification. There is, uh, next week is a um, special service in the sanctuary. Uh, with music and carols, we will still have services in here uh, as well uh, during both the 9.30 and 11 o'clock uh, worship times. Tonight um, is our Advent workshop. And so, hey, kiddos, you guys, you guys signed up for, or you guys coming to Advent workshop tonight? Anybody? Woohoo! Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of crafts. I, I've heard that there's a glue gun again this year. Um, so that's always fun with little kids. It's, uh, it's a joy. Um, as well as some cookie de decorating, which I think my daughter chose to sign up for that station specifically, which doesn't shock me at all. Um, so kiddos, uh, six, or, um, kindergarten through second grade, you guys can head to the back uh, where our incredible children's ministry team will lead them in worship uh, in children's church. Amen. As Church, as we continue in our Advent series, uh, leaning into uh, a light in the silence, those two things are contrasting, right? It doesn't quite fit. A light ought to fill darkness. Sound ought to fill silence. But um, there's this, this, um, this contrasting imagery here that oftentimes the thing that we hope would fill the darkness is not exactly the thing that we are looking for or hope that would fill the silence isn't exactly what we're looking for, but God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. And so in, as we look into this series, as we dive deeper and deeper into the word of God, today we're going to be diving into John chapter one, where John introduces us to a, a light that fills this this empty period, this period of silence in Israel, his, Israel's history, where they haven't heard from a prophet, they haven't heard from uh, the voice of God because they've been walking in disobedience. And so they've, the, the voice of God has seemed silent. And so God fills that silence in an unexpected way through the witness, the voice, the testimony of God, of Jesus. You see, the darkness, um, darkness is a, in this, in this series, we're talking a little bit about kind of this, this light and dark, this, this understanding of the, the light of the world coming in. And um, darkness is a fascinating concept. It is, it is only, it's only able to be, darkness is only possible because of the absence of light. Darkness changes our perception of the world around us. Everything in the midst of darkness becomes a little bit more intense. In darkness, the simple sounds 
become consequential. I remember uh, one time, I'm a, kind of an explorer at nature, and uh, one time growing up as a kid, uh, I would go and explore, and I love to explore the woods up back behind my house. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we, I went over to a friend's house one night, and I was like, hey, let's go explore. And he's like, let's wait till it's dark. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing. I've never thought about that, right? And so, so we went out, out exploring behind his house and uh, he lived in, a, in like a, a neighborhood with lots of, lots of houses, but right behind his house was this, this uh, barbed wire fence and over the fence was like just dark woods, right? And so, uh, so we're like, we're, we kind of go out after it's dark uh, and we're exploring back there and we come across this barn and it's like, it's like the, the moonlight is like just illuminating it perfectly. And every shadow seems predatory, right? Um, you're just expecting something to jump out at every turn. So we're like looking at each other like, should we go in? Should we go in? Maybe? Yeah? No? And we got so terrified, we, we couldn't even go in, right? We couldn't even go in to explore this because there's something about the darkness that just made the whole, the whole thing bigger than it was. The next day, we went back out to, into the woods in the light and saw the barn and we're like, that's not scary. It's not scary at all, right? And we went in and we played. We like made, a, made forts and stuff in it and it was, it was a blast. But in the darkness, everything is intensified. Everything becomes a little bit more. You've all walked through your, your playroom but when you walk through your playroom in the darkness and there's Legos all over the ground, right? There's, there's no worse experience than that in the history of mankind. You don't stub your toe in the light. No, you stub your toe in the darkness. Because in the darkness, we can't prepare for what's ahead. In the darkness, we only react. In the darkness, we can't trust the things that we see. There's no clear witness in the darkness because we don't know what we've actually seen. So as we look at scripture today, as we look at this Advent reading, we're going to look at how our orientation to the light impacts our witness and in fact impacts our entire understanding of the world around us. So let's dive into the word today. John chapter one, starting in verse one through verse 12. Uh, it's important to understand that as John is leading us in, um, in sharing the gospel, this is not what, what we call a synoptic gospel, which uh, means that it kind of tells the story from beginning to end of Jesus's life. Um, John kind of starts the story all the way when Jesus is 30, 30 years old. Right, he's where when Jesus, uh, Jesus is beginning his ministry. He doesn't necessarily tell every detail. In fact, John actually looks back at the other gospels and fills in the gaps uh, where he sees these major themes. In John's gospel, we see uh, the big themes of I, the I am statements of Jesus. Um, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am, I am, I am. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine, you are the branches. You see all these I am statements because John's main objective in, teach, in uh, writing this gospel is to tell us who the person of Jesus is. And I think that's important for us as we read this, um, this beginning uh, introduction to John's gospel. Beginning in verse one, he says this. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was, God, he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Not the same John. This is a different John. He's not writing his own name. Uh, this is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives the light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, uh, this is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see, what John is doing here is he's setting up this contrasting um, response to the light of the world. You see, on the one hand, we have John the Baptist who is uh, a witness and receives the light. A witness to the light and receives the light. We see that in verse 7. The second Contrasting image is those who see the light, perceive the light, yet reject the light and continue to wander in the darkness. You see, the darkness shrouds our witness. So the first thing we see in this text, there's three things I think uh, primarily that we see in this text. The first thing is uh, that the witness, that witness is a result of seeing and seeking the light. Witness is a result of seeing and seeking the light. Verse seven says, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. This idea of witness, of perceiving the light and then witnessing to the light is so important for us as followers of Christ. I would say, actually, it is our greatest purpose is to witness to what we have seen in God. To have our eyes fixed on Christ in such a way that the reflection, that the witness wouldn't, can't help but exude from us. This idea of witness is found all throughout the scripture. In the Greek, the, the word is martis. And to bear witness is martyreo. In the Hebrew, all the way back in the Old Testament, the word is aid. And to bear witness, to be one who bears witness, is to oud. To oud. I love that word. Um, this, this idea of witness was given all the way back at, um, at the very beginning. Was given all the way back to the people of God. The reason why God uh, designed a people of God to, to be carriers of the truth is that they might oud that they might bear witness to the rest of the world. It wasn't meant to just be some social club, some, some, uh, some holier-than-thou group, but it was meant to, to carry the message of Christ and to oud, to bear witness to that throughout the rest of the world. When, when um, God gave 
uh, the Israelite people freedom from the Egyptians and they walked across the dry land between the two, the, the split parts of the Red Sea. They walked on the other side. They began to sing a song of witness, a song of the, the testimony of what God had done. And they were, their, their task, their, their, they were given as they walked through the wilderness the opportunity to ood all the things that God had done, to bear witness to all of the things that God had done in them. We see this in Exodus uh, chapter 19. Exodus 20 is where we see um, the, the Ten Commandments given to Moses. So we see this at the, at the, uh, on top of Mount Sinai. God is speaking these words to, uh, to Moses so that he might speak these to the people. This is the calling of the people. In Exodus 19, five and six, he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, right? This is a, a, if you fix your eyes on me, if you obey me fully, if you seek after me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, my objective, my goal is the whole earth, You will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. You see, the goal of of giving them this message is so that they might be a priestly nation to the rest of the world. And do you know what Israel did? They began to worship other, other gods. Before Moses could even come down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, they were worshiping other gods. They, had, they, were, they were testifying, they were seeking after other gods than, than the one true God. Though they were created in the image of God, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Though they were created to reflect the image of God, they began to reflect their own nature, their own desires. They began to become insular, Focused only on themselves and their goodness and their greatness. They would not ood. They denied Christ. They denied the the light. And they chose themselves. They would not reflect God. They would not reflect, they would only reflect other things, the things that they worshiped. They could not witness because they were walking in darkness They could not be a witness, an ood for God because they were walking in disobedience. Friends, darkness shrouds our witness. How we live in the midst of of the world, of the darkness of the world, makes a huge difference in our lives and in our calling. And so God sent people after people to, to ood on their behalf. He sent prophets, he sent priests, he sent Uh, kings, he sent uh, judges to come and and proclaim this this goodness. And time after time after time, the people of God chose to look inwardly instead of be outward in their expression of God. And so, so God did what he had to do. He sent a light into the midst of their silence. He sent John to proclaim the goodness of the light that was to come to witness to the light, to be a light 
in the midst of the silence. So first, our witness is a result of seeking after and seeing the light. The second thing that we see in our text is in verse uh, seven, that the witness brings the light to where the people are. A witness contextualizes the light into the culture and society that it, that it lives in. A witness, a witness to the light uh, has the opportunity to bring the light into every dark space in the world. This is our central call in verse, uh, verse 7b, the second part of verse 7. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him, all might believe. Through Jesus, the ultimate witness, all might believe. To witness is our greatest call. John Wesley, um, he, uh, he was very active in, all, in, in, very, in social things. He um, visited the sick and the poor. He was uh, all about uh, helping in, to meet the needs of people. He, he loved d- d- uh, discipleship and uh, connecting people in small groups. Uh, but he says this really profound thing, which is at the center of all, of all of this, the root of all of it. He says, you have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work and go not only to those that need you, but to those that need you most. It is not your business to preach so many times and to take care of this or of that society, but to save as many souls as you can, to bring as many sinners as you possibly can to repentance. You see, for Wesley, central to his, all of his theology, central to the practice of his faith was to save the lost. And that was central. That was the primary driver for all that he did. All the good things that he did was, was so that people might know the love of God. To witness brings the light to where they are. I'm gonna ask, uh, I, think, I think best understood um, this idea of witness is uh, that we are, we are called to reflect the light of Christ. We all have uh, circles of friends, uh, groups of people that we, um, that we function in. And the light of Christ, um, the light of Christ was sent into the world so that people might, might know the goodness of God, so that people might find joy and find hope in the midst of the, of the darkness, so that they might um, come into an understanding of the goodness of God. But uh, as we've experienced, many of the, the people of the world live over here. They live in the midst of darkness and they never look up to see the light. And when things happen in their lives, they, they experience the darkness. Uh, they experience the, the stepping on Legos in the midst of the darkness and, um, and they don't know uh, that they can turn on the light. Our, our job as followers of Christ is to... Um, to bring that light into the world, to, to reflect that light back to where they are so that they might experience that. That happens. That happens by being a witness, right? 
And so we bring the light of Christ to the places in which they are. We have this ability as a witness to contextualize the gospel into the spaces in which they live. And so the places that you live, you can bring the light of Christ into those spaces, right? You have the the functionality to, to take that light and to bring it profoundly into, into their world. And so as we, as we reflect the goodness of God, as we contextualize this message to the world, we recognize that we may be the first Bible that anybody ever reads. We may be the first introduction to Jesus that anybody ever sees. I hope, I hope it's not the only time they read the Bible. I hope it's not the only time that they, that they are introduced to Jesus. But first impressions matter. And so as, as, as we recognize, if we are not first and foremost, if our witness is not first and foremost seeking after Jesus, and we cannot effectively we cannot effectively reflect if we're not facing if we're not facing the light if we are not actually seeking the light we cannot effectively reflect the light to the world hope that's not on anybody's face <laughs> how has god changed your understanding of the world C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything. You see, for us as followers of Christ, this becomes our reflection. The light becomes the lens in which we view the world. It becomes uh, the way in which... uh, the light transforms the darkness of the situations that we live in. It changes the way that we go through difficult seasons. It changes the way that we, that we progress forward when um, an, an, a new job opportunity comes before us or um, our kids are going through something difficult or challenging. It changes the way that we view it because as Psalm 119, 105 says, the word is a lamp into my feet, Right? And so the word of God begins to illuminate any space that we, that we need it to illuminate. We seek after God and as, as the light shines on us, as we are, are pointed towards the light, right? It, it gives us uh, a path in which to walk, as, uh, steps in which to take. It begins to illuminate our experience. One of the one of the greatest, we talked about joy earlier. Joy is a way in which we illuminate the the darkness. Joy in the midst of challenging situations and circumstances is is an incredible way that we witness to those around us. I think that there's a, um, that phrase uh, that is oftentimes said, the the quote by St. Francis Assisi, uh, that says, um, 
share the gospel in every circumstance and when necessary, use words. I think that that's a, a beautiful uh, line, but it oft, oftentimes enables us to not use words. Our witness is meant to be bold. And you never know how God can use it when you, when you step forward and actually speak the name of Jesus into situations and circumstances. When you stop and you pray for a, a, a coworker instead of just saying, hey, we're, you're in our thoughts and prayers. You don't know what that witness might do as we, as we face the light and reflect it back onto the places of the world that need it most desperately. God has uniquely gifted each and every one of you with, with different experiences, circumstances, and situations to be able to minister to the world, to be able to witness your experience in the way that you've seen God to the world. The third thing that we see in our text is that witness always points back to the source. Uh, I was talking with, with Blake the other day, um, and uh, we were talking about uh, this, this idea of ministry and, um, and how it's so easy for, uh, for us, and I confessed to, uh, myself, it's so easy for me to play the role of pastor. It's easy for me, uh, for pastor to become a part in a great play that I, I know the actions to being a pastor. I know the, the words to say to be a pastor. I know, the, I know the, the vocabulary in order to sound pastory. And when, uh, when people see the light as they're walking in the darkness and they, they see the light, they're gonna, they're gonna search. They're just, this, is, this is good. This is something that is valuable for me as I wander in the darkness, now I can see a little bit. They're gonna, they're gonna track it back to the source of this light and they're gonna find me. They're gonna find us. And this is when the mirror begins to think that it produces the light is when we get megachurch pastors that flame out. When the, the mirror begins to assume that it is the one that, that produces the light, we get this, this false image of Jesus. And when people recognize, when people start to worship us, we begin to get this pride about ourselves, about our, our goodness. This is where the Israelite people had fallen in. This is where the, the, the Pharisees and the um, Sadducees had fallen short. If I'm not authentically looking back to the light, if I'm not authentic, authentically pointing people back to the original source of the light, then as John says, I can do nothing. This changed for me when I understood John 15, five. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can create some great GMO fruit. <laughs> Apart from me, you can try to produce your own light. 
but it's not gonna point people back to the, to the source. It's not gonna be fruit bearing and it's not gonna be saving, the saving grace. So church, I wanna, I wanna challenge you with this. I'm gonna invite the band to come forward. The most important thing that we as followers of Christ can do in this Advent season is to reorient our lives back to the light. Above, above going, to, going to work and, and telling the gospel and sharing uh, and saying all the right words, above all of that, your first and foremost step is to reorient your life back to the light. If that happens, then you will not be able to, to, to uh, deny the reflection of God in your life. If we can reorient our lives back to Christ, the natural inclination will be witness. The natural response will be witness. If we reorient our lives back to Christ. If we ask God to shine on us, if we focus on that, we won't be able to help but to reflect his light. It's not your job It's not your job to be the most 100% effective. It's your job to be 100% faithful, to proclaim the goodness. And so as we lean into into the word of God, as we lean into um, reorienting our lives back on him, may the witness of God dramatically impact the way that you live amongst the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.